Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you Let's go to the book of John chapter 6. I want to continue my teaching on managing the increase. Everybody say managing the increase. Last Sunday, I spoke about two important things. Number one is avoid waste. And the second is what? Increase your capacity. I mean, your ability to experience increase depends on how well you can manage it. Two keys to managing the increase. The first one is you need to avoid waste. And the second one is you need to increase your capacity. Today I want to add one more. And then next week I will add one more. After this thing, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberia. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on a mountain and there... He sat with his disciples. Now the Passover of the feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii, of wealth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Amen. Let's finish with verse 13. Therefore, they gathered them up, and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Amen. All right, today I'm preaching from verse 6. The Bible said that when Jesus saw the multitude and the crowd, I mean, late in the evening, close to the night, he said to Philip in verse 5, he said, Where shall we buy bread that this may eat? He called Philip and he asked him a question. But verse 6 is very surprising. Verse 6 is the reason why Jesus asked the question is because he wanted to test Philip. And the reason why he wanted to test Philip is that he himself already knew what he was going to do. In other words, Jesus sized up the situation, thought of a solution, made a decision of what he would do, but he wanted to involve the disciples in what he had already planned to do. And so he called Philip to ask him the question. The important lesson you learn is that Jesus planned the miracle before it happened. 
Bible said he himself knew what he was going to do. In other words, he had it thought through and he had made a decision. He had a plan in his mind. So the miracle that happened that day, almost 20,000 people were fed with five loaves of bread. It was not something that just happened by accident. It was something that happened by intention. Jesus planned it. Jesus decided, intended it, and then he made it to happen. So this morning, I'm talking about planning. Everybody say planning. Miracles don't happen by accident. Miracles don't happen in the life of children of God by accident. Miracles happen according to the personal plans of children of God that are in line with God's purpose for their lives. So, children of God must understand that anywhere you find yourself at a particular point in time, whatever you want to happen, you have a part to play to make it happen. What I'm trying to say is that nothing just happens. You don't just sit down, fold your hands, and expect anything to happen. Anything outstanding and dramatic you see happen on the earth, there was a lot, lot, lot of investment of planning. I was reading a book last week by a man called Jack Welch, one of the most outstanding CEOs that America had. And he said there are three categories of people. The first are the spectators. Spectators are people who watch things happen. And they say, wow. They admire it. They say, wow, look at that. Wow. And look at that. Spectators. The second category of people on the earth are commentators. They talk about things that happen. <laughs> so have you heard again? Did you know what happened last week? <laughs> Commentators can give you a rundown of every world event. Commentators can tell you details of every great person on this planet. When he was born, who is his mother's name, which village he came from, everything. Except that they do nothing. That's a third category of people. They are the achievers. An achiever is someone who makes things happen. And this morning, I came to challenge somebody, don't be a spectator this year. And don't be a commentator this year. Don't bother yourself about other people's business. Mind your own business. And make something happen in your life. Achievers are people who understand that for anything to happen, I have a part to play. And the first place it begins from is planning. The miracle that happened that we saw Jesus thought it through. Yeah. For instance, he said to the disciples, let the people sit down in groups of 50. Now, do you know that when a multitude, close to 20,000, are hungry and you want to share food, if you are not very systematic. You could have a stampede. But do you realize that on this faithful day, 
There wasn't only a miracle. It was a very beneficial miracle because there was planning involved. If Jesus had gone about that miracle anyhow, I tell you, people would have died in the process. While some people were eating, others would have died because people would be drooping and rushing. But he said, let the people sit down in groups of 50. He just thought through everything. You know, I was talking with a pastor friend who was looking at our pictures, crossover pictures. You see, crossover was very fantastic, isn't it? But it didn't just happen. <laughs> it didn't just happen. There was over one month of planning. Some people had to sit down every Sunday after church and say, let's do this, let's do that, let's do this, let's do that. Anything outstanding you see happen anywhere. Even today's service, there's a program. That is why somebody will say, oh, the Holy Ghost is moving me. You know, and uh, so I want one hour because the program tells you when your time should be up, you get away from this stage. If we don't have any plan and a program for today's service, we could end up living here in three hours. So what am I saying this morning? The increase that we are believing God for, the increase will happen to people who know how to plan well. The increase we are believing God for, it will happen on the condition of planning. Hallelujah. It will happen for people who plan for it. Let's read Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Can we all read it together? It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Let's do it one more time. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. One more time. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So a man must plan, then God will work. People must plan, then God will work. Children of God must plan. Listen, God himself is a very systematic planner. Everything God does is according to plan. In fact, when you study the creation of the earth, Genesis chapter 1, seven days of creation, you will see planning. What should come first and what should come next? And why didn't he do everything in one day? It is because there has to be planning. Give me Genesis 1.31. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. If you don't have a plan, you won't even know how to evaluate your progress. Let's go to Exodus 14 from verse 1 to 5. Let me show you something. Exodus 14 from verse 1 to 5. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they Turn and come before Behaviroth. Between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal you shall come before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. 
Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people, and they said, We have done this thing that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots. Let's go to verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, when the Israelites left Egypt, the Bible said God did not allow them to go where they liked or to use the route they like. God determined the route by allowing his glory to lead them by the pillar of cloud in the day and the pillar of fire in the night. So they can literally see that it is God that is leading us. But when they got to a place, they woke up early morning, and when they turned and to the back, they saw chariots and horses of a great army coming to come and destroy them. And when they looked at the Lord, it was the chariots of Pharaoh. And the Bible said they began to cry to the Lord. And if you read further, you will see. Give me verse 11. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you? you know, they started complaining like, Moses, what did we do for you to treat us this way? But when you go to verse 1, you will see that Long before Pharaoh left his palace to pursue the Israelites, God had told Moses what is going to happen. God told him, go by the Red Sea and stay there. It is a trap. It is a trap. Pharaoh is going to come. When you see him coming, don't worry. That is the last day he's going to live. God planned out the death of Pharaoh because there's no way Pharaoh was going to allow Israel to get to Canaan if he did not die. But these people woke up in the morning, had no idea what is happening. They got seriously overwhelmed with fear and terror and confusion. In fact, some of them declared themselves dead already just by the sight. Because, you know, the presence of the army of Pharaoh, you know, implies death. It was a fierce army. And they knew his track record, what he's capable of doing to enemies when he meets them. So they knew they were dead. But God had a plan about everything. You know, God can dare say in Scripture that all things work together for good is because he has a plan for your life. Some of the things you see in your life that you see as greatest error of your life could be a setup when God is at work in your life. But there is also a place for personal plan that God will want you to sit down and have a plan. Now, I want to say an important thing. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do when he called Philip, when he saw the situation. He knew exactly what he was going to do, why he had a plan. The question I want to ask today is, do you know exactly how it's going to be for you this year, 2022? You have an idea of where you are going from here, how you are going to end the year. Do you have a plan for yourself this year. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. 
What about you? Is there anything you can say about your business this year? What is going to happen? Or oh, the Lord is in control. You know, listen, the Lord is truly in control after you have planned. Let me say that again. The Lord is truly in control after we have planned. When we don't plan, he is out of control. <laughs> God is, is, is lost of control when we don't plan. He will not come and do the planning for you. You know, every great contractor, every great builder is eager to build. Bring a builder. You have money. Once you have money to supply all the materials, every professional builder is good to go. But what will he build? That's the question. So this money, this is the land. Build for me. What will he build? Build a house. Then he will ask him again, what kind of house? You see, he will keep asking you questions because you have made it difficult for him to work. Sometimes we make things difficult for God because we don't plan our lives. So today I came to challenge somebody. Increase is coming. You need to know how to be properly positioned for increase. And one of the key things is planning. Strategic planning. So what is planning? Planning is a process of making an orderly arrangement of your life activities and setting detailed strategy that helps you to achieve your goals. 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 Planning is about how goals can be achieved. How goals can be achieved. Jesus thought about planning, so let's see what he said. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Jesus taught important lessons about planning. Luke 14, verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first? That's the very important thing about life. Sometimes we are in a hurry when we should sit down. Then to them and tell him, sit down. And he, Jesus didn't only say sit down. He said, sit down first. You see, there has to be planning first before action. There has to be planning first before action. And sometimes the planning process is tedious, but when it is fully done, the rest of the work becomes easy. If the work is difficult, it's because the plan is not accurate, it's not proper, it's not well done. Sit down first and count the cost. In other words, make a budget. Sit down first and make a budget. That means every business person here, Show me your budget for 2022. If you have none, I think you are still playing. You are still playing. Let me be very frank with you so that I can help you. You are a business person. You are talking about breakthrough, millions, billions. How could million happen without a budget? Find out if it has ever happened anywhere. Sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to what? Finish. In other words, to to achieve the goals. Next verse. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Next verse. Now saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So lack of planning makes you start, but you can't end. It makes you start, but you can't finish. What planning does is that it makes you finish the thing before you start. Planning takes you to the end before you come here and start. 
Jesus had it all planned out. He knew exactly what he was going to do. Planning means you think through the process to the finish before you start. Because when you think through the process to the finish, you will be able to identify all the possible impediments, obstacles, challenges, complications that will arise, and then you prepare for it. You make provision for it. Verse 31. Or what king going to make war against another king? Does not sit down first. He said it again. Then to said, this year we need to sit down first. This month of January. Don't be in a hurry. Sit down first and plan. Don't be in a hurry. Those who are running without a plan, leave them to go. Sit down and plan. Because those who are running without any plan, they are going nowhere. They are just going around in circles. Movement does not mean always mean progress. Sometimes movement is just, you know, wasteful living. This year, you will not live a wasteful life. Amen. I said, you will not live a wasteful life. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Which king going to make war does not sit down first and consider, you see, how can you go to war without a strategy? No military general will do that. Only privates or corporals will go to war without a strategy. A general, mm -mm, they won't do that. And I want to tell you, you are a general. Amen. So plan. Whether he is able to, with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him or with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way of, he sends a delegation and asks condition of peace. In other words, planning will tell you, don't even try to fight. Go and negotiate. It's better to negotiate and still remain alive than to go to war and die, all of you. It's, it's called foolishness. Oh, yeah. Sometimes an experienced military general will tell you, sometimes it's good to lose a particular battle in order to win the whole war. It's called strategy. Because in a war, there are many battles in one war. During the Gulf War, there were many battles. Different, different, different battles. Sometimes, a good general said, let's retreat from, from this particular one because too many people will die. They go back and re-strategize and pretend to have lost, only to come back another day and get a better victory. It's all a matter of planning and strategizing. Jesus said, it is not good to go to war without a strategy. It is not good to start a building without a plan. Jesus said, it's not good to keep living your life by chance. So let's look at the importance of planning. Let's look at the importance of planning. Number one, planning simplifies your life. Let's think about a, a, a very busy day. If you have a very busy day, so many things to do in a day, you can get confused. In fact, the most confusing is which one should I start first? But sit down and plan. List all the activities of the day and arrange in the order of priority. You realize it becomes very simple. One wise man said, one step at a time. It makes life very what? Simple. Lack of planning complicates your life. Every time you feel confused. This year you will not be living in confusion. In the name of Jesus. This year you will live like Jesus. You will know what is going to happen. You will know what you are going to do. Number two, it creates order in your life. It creates order. Planning makes your life orderly. It gives you direction. 
Planning helps you to know where you are going per time. Planning helps you, you don't wake up and you don't know where you are going. Planning makes you relax in the midst of all chaos. I remember a particular year, there were so many things happening in this church. So many attacks, crises, challenges. And a certain brother came to me very disturbed. I told him, don't worry, I know exactly where we are going. I know exactly where we are going as a church. That's it. Because if you spend time with God to guide you to plan, you won't be confused. Number three, it prevents waste of time. Planning prevents waste of time. If you are going to four places at a time today after church, you need to see somebody in Ashama and somebody on Spintest Road and somebody at the Accra Mall and somebody in Tema. You have to sit down and plan. Otherwise, you will drive to the mall. Then you drive back to Tema. Then you go to Ashama. Then you cross over to Spintest Road. You say, I'm very busy today. But you're just wasting your time. Planning prevents waste of time. Two different ways of, of this one. You can drive to Tema and then come to Ashama and then go to spin test and then continue to the mall. It makes it simple. It prevents waste of time. And the only thing you have at your disposal on this earth to make a difference is time. You don't have all the time in the world. Never forget that. A day is coming, you will be short of time. Are you hearing me? So don't waste it at all this year. If you don't have a plan, you wake up and not knowing what to do with your life. Yeah, it's possible to wake up, you don't know what to do. Then somebody comes and said, are you free today? Yes. Can you escort me to town? Please, you were not born to be an escort. You were born to be an achiever. Yeah. This year, I deliver you from every mission of escorts. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. Every day you wake up, you must be intentional about what you are doing. Planning will bring you to that place. Number four, it gives you a sense of direction. Sense of direction. Sense of direction. Number five, it helps you to achieve your goals. Listen, it's fantastic for you to see all the great things that you want to happen this year. Oh, this year, oh, my business will go international. This year, I'm going to move to my own house. This year, I'm going to become a millionaire. Without a plan, all those things will be empty talk because planning asks the question, how are you going to achieve this? The moment that question comes, your thinking begins to work. So planning helps you to achieve your goals. So I'll come back to goals. Number six, it prevents living by trial and error. Well, let me try this. If it works, bless God. If it doesn't work, I'll try that and try that. Somebody comes to you and says, oh, this thing is doing well these days. Try it. So, okay, let's, why not? Let's try it. Trial and error will waste all your life and waste all your time. Jesus didn't say, oh, the people are hungry. It's a big crowd. Let's see what, what can we do. Okay, let's try this. Let's try that. The multitude would have just created chaos in the desert. Probably dem demonstrate, fix our stomach demonstration. Fix our stomach. It prevents living by trying it out. The last one, planning prevents unnecessary comparison and unhealthy competition. You see, when you have a planner, you are not copying people. You are not stretching your neck to watch what somebody is doing. You know, when we're in school, when we're writing exams, people can stretch their necks and see exactly what you are writing. No matter how you try to cover it, they can see it and copy. The challenge with copying is that if the person you are copying is wrong, you too, you are wrong. <laughs> so you can copy very well and get zero. Yeah. So 
I want you to know, don't compete with anybody this year. Don't compare yourself with anybody this year. Don't compare your life with anybody. You see, if you have a plan, you wake up and say, hey, we are in March. Nothing has happened in my life. Look at my friend. He has done this. He has done that. He has done this. You see, then you become confused. If you have a plan, you will know that by June, I will overtake that guy. You know what will happen by July. You know what will happen by August. You have a plan. You know exactly how the year will end. Even by October, you will still not be disturbed because you have a plan on how the year will end. Okay, three things that will help you to plan well. Three things. Number one, goal setting. You can't plan around nothing. Jesus said, which of you intending to build a tower? So there has to be a goal before you plan. Which of you going to war? So there has to be a goal. So planning begins with goal setting. Number two, you need to have a vision. Pastor, how can you tell if somebody's goal is accurate? When your goals are in line with your vision for life, then we can say that your goals are accurate. Tell me your vision, then I can help you set your goals for this year. Because this year is just a fraction of your whole life. Vision talks about your whole life. Goals talk about periodic targets. Periodic targets. Goals break down the vision into fragments. Goals break down the vision into simple steps. So there has to be yearly goals, but there has to be lifetime vision. Next week, I'll talk about vision, so let's not waste time over it. Next Sunday, I'm going to be teaching about vision. All right, and then mission. Mission is your assignment, your purpose. Now, Sunday, I'll explain the difference between a vision and a mission. But the important thing here is that you can never be a successful planner without a vision, a mission, and then accurate goals. So let's look at goal setting. What is a goal? Like I said, there are specific targets, specific targets that you set over a short period of your life. So if we are talking about 2022, we can talk about goals for 2022 because it's a short period. How many of you know 2022 is very short? It's 12 months, and we've already done how many days? How many days have we done? Nine days. And the calendar is not just there for nothing. It is to remind you how the days are moving. So when you say today is ninth, it is to tell you something. It is to inform you. It is to ask you questions. What is happening after nine days? A year is a very short part of your life. Before long, we'll be, we'll be back to Christmas. But a lot can happen within this short time if there is first set goals. And the goals you set must be smart. It must be balanced. It must be accurate. Your goals must be smart, balanced, and accurate. This is in the Bible. What I'm teaching is not um, anything academic. It's Bible. A man's plan his way. The Lord directs his steps. It's in the Bible. Your goals must be smart. The word smart is an, an acronym for five important words, which most of you know. Your goals must be specific. It must be measurable. It must be attainable. It must be realistic. And it must be timely. It must be specific. That means you must be able to give it detail. It must be something you can write down. So if you say, this year I want to be very rich, it's not a goal. This year I'm going to break through. You are just religious. <laughs> you are not spiritual. You are just religious. If you, are, you want to be spiritual, give that breakthrough a definition. How rich do you want to be? How much do you want to be worth 
this year. That is a goal. This year, I'm believing God to earn 100,000 Ghana cities by the end of the year. Or 1 million cities at the end of the year. That is a goal. So it must be specific. It must be measurable. It must be attainable. If you say, I'm going to move into my own house this year, is that an attainable goal, number one? Do you have land? No, I don't have land. So how are you going to move into your house this year? Oh, the Lord is going to do it. In the name of Jesus, I believe the Lord will do it. Okay, I believe in miracles. But I've realized that miracles happen to people who plan. Now, do you know that you can meet somebody who doesn't have land, but he can move into his house this year? Do you know you can meet somebody like that? Now, how is it going to be? Because the person has saved enough money. The person has saved enough money that next month he can buy a land. And in six months, he can move in. If you have the money, you can make it happen. But you see, you, you, you must look at how attainable the goals are. Do you have the resources for it? So when you begin to subject your goals to these five words, it will help you know whether you are being sensible with your goal setting or you are just being religious. Is it specific? Is it measurable? Is it attainable? Is it realistic? Because we live in a real world. We are not living in uh, uh, heaven. We are living here on earth. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's why Jesus didn't pretend that people were not hungry. Jesus knew that human beings, when they live for this long, they must be hungry and they need food. That is being realistic. Your goals must also be balanced. That means your goals must touch seven important areas of your life. This one is very important for me. So you must set spiritual goals. That's where you begin, begin from. Your spiritual life. They said, this year our team is increased. How much increase is going to happen in your life spiritually? When I say your spiritual life, I'm talking about your relationship with God. Your relationship with God. It starts with your prayer life. It starts with your attitude to the word of God. It starts with, it continues with your attitude with the word of God. Your church life. Your church work, everything about your spiritual life, your spiritual life. How many hours can you pray this year on a daily basis? Set, you need to set a goal for it. Now, after your spiritual life, the next most important one is your health. Your heart. If you are not healthy, every other thing else is nonsense. It's useless. You need to be healthy to enjoy money. You need to be healthy to enjoy your marriage. You need to be healthy to enjoy the house. You need to be healthy to run your business. You need to be healthy to do everything. So set health goals. One of my health goals is to be able to walk one hour for four days in a week. After two services, I can still sit down and work till 6 p.m. today and not be tired. You see, if you see a man who is 40 years, by the time he walks from here, to the bus stop, he's panting for air. You see that? This person has a problem. You have a health challenge. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Some of you, you are just 40 years, but see, you live like an old man. A 70-year-old man can is being stronger than you. You need to be healthy. Amen? So go find out how to organize your life so that you can be healthy. Health goals. Number two. Three, family goals. That family, when I say family, I mean your marriage. Your marriage. Your family. You, your spouse, your children. Set goals for your family. Amen? 
if you are not married, you still have family goals to set. When do you want to get married? And how are you going to get married? Can I suggest something to a young man? Your family goal, if you are a young man and you are not working, is get a job. <laughs> Because how are you going to marry without a job? No lady wants to marry you and be taking care of you. So you may write down, my family goal this year, get a job. What has job got to do with family? You know what you are going to do when you marry. That was that Jesus knew what he's going to do. You know what you are going to do. Praise the Lord. Set goals for your finance. Set goals for your finance. That means have a budget. Have a budget. Yeah, set goals for your finance. How much can you save every month? But how much do you earn? Do you like what you earn? If no, how can you increase it? How much can you save every month? Ivat, your plans for the year should be tracing down to your finance. Yeah, because if you say, I'm going to build this year, question is, do you have the money for it? So the, so the money is very important. You agree with me? Yes. Set goals for your finance. Number three, number five, your career. Career goals. Number six, education, your personal development. Do you need to take a course this year? If not, what personal inputs can you make into your knowledge base? Because your worth is traceable to your level of knowledge. Your worth, how much you earn, is always some way, somehow traceable to your level of knowledge. Do you realize that when people are being employed, those with SHS certificates have a different salary than those who have a degree? Do you realize so? Why? The one in SHS may be working harder than the one with a first degree. But why is the first degree salary bigger? Because of his level of knowledge. The person with a master's degree earns more. It is the same with real life. It is the same with real life. How much you know in our world determines how much you earn. Even if your employer decides not to pay you well, your level of knowledge can attract to you different streams of income. Sometimes I get more money than my salary every month. Not sometimes, most of the time. Most of the time. Why? Because I know more than my salary. I read one book every week. I said, I do what? I read one book every week. I wasn't born with the gift of reading. I understood that that book I'm reading will add money to my pocket. So I do it with the intention. Every one of you here, if the last book you read was when you finished school, this year you need to set right goals for yourself. If you don't like how much you earn, you probably need to go study something. And then the socialization, that has to do with friendship. And yeah, and friendship. God created every human being to be social, to, be, to socialize. There's a place of fun. It takes stress off you. So associate with people who don't give you stress. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. Make friends with people. When you meet them, you encourage one another. You inspire one another. You challenge one another. And you entertain each other. Anybody you can't laugh in his presence is not your friend. Anybody you are with you, you are afraid, you are scared of laughing. Through friendship, is when you can sit down 
and chat about things that you won't say elsewhere. That's friendship. Fun. I'm not, I'm not saying profanity. I'm saying fun. So let me take you through. My time is up. Let me take you through the process. The important question I know everybody is asking today is that, Pastor, after all this plenty talk, how do I plan? How do you plan? Number one, write down your goals. Write down your goals. Write down your goals. There's something on my slide. It says that you are 42% more likely to achieve your goals just by writing it down. This is research in a university in California called the Dominican University. If you read my book, you would have seen it there, but most of you didn't read my book, so. I'd give the detail of the research there, including the professor who did the research. Everything I'm teaching today is in my book, interestingly. But no, not, nobody here read my book. Who is, who is challenging me? Who read it and finished from beginning to the end? Only one person. Oh, you read it. So is it true this thing is there? You saw it? Fine. 42, just by writing down your goal. You know, the research was quite um, troubling because they couldn't understand what is it about just writing something down that makes it happen. But you see, long before this research was done, God spoke in his scripture, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. There's something about writing down your goals. And so this month, I want you to take a pen and paper and write my financial goals, my personal development goals, my career goals, my family goals, my health goals, my spiritual goals. Yeah, one of your spiritual goals, you read the Bible, Genesis to Revelation this year, from the, now to the end. You can read the Bible at least once, the whole Bible. It should be a good spiritual goal, you should set. Write it down, don't worry. Even if you couldn't finish, you write it down. The research is saying that 42% more likely to write your goals. Another research that was conducted in Yale University in 1974, it said that writing down your goal moves you to the top 3% of successful people. You know, a professor decided to, con to give questionnaires to all the graduating year group of that university. All the students in the graduation year group. And the questionnaire, the important question there was, do you have written down goals for the future after your graduation? And when they collected the questionnaires, they realized that only 3% of the graduation year group had written down specific goals. Then they waited after 20 years and looked for all the, the people who filled the questionnaire. In a developed country, it's possible. Just by entering your name and your, how do you call it, social security, you can find, as far as the person is still living in America, you can find him. Thank God that such a research wasn't done in Ghana. Praise God. <laughs> because in Ghana, you, we give house numbers that does not exist. So they found close to 80% of the graduating year group, and they tried to measure their financial condition after 20 years. And they realized that the 3% that are written down goals before at the day of graduation had a net worth greater than the rest, 97% um, of the people. Hello? So write down your goals. Write down your goals. Personal goals. Don't go write goals for somebody. <laughs> you know, it's easy to do things for people. Uh, doing it for yourself is the more important one. Amen? 
num, num, so, so, number three, think and brainstorm possible ways of achieving your goals. You see, once your goals are written, the important question you ask now is, how do I achieve these goals? In fact, the important question in planning is, how? If you're making notes, you need to write that down. The critical question for successful planning is the question what? How? 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 So think and brainstorm. So there's, I mean, planning sometimes requires a lot of, this I said, the one wants to go to Walmart, sit down and think. Whether he needs 10,000 soldiers or 20,000. Number four, consult experts. If, 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 if the issues involved are very complex, you need experts. You need expert involvement. Number five, state clearly all action steps that can help you achieve your goals. So in planning, you have a critical question. How can I achieve these goals? The answers begin to pop up and you write them down. You write them down. Write down every possible action step that can help you achieve your goals. Write them down. And then number six, you arrange the action steps in a systematic, logical order of priority so that we can say that in January, this is what I'm doing. In February, this is what I'm doing. In March, this is what I'm doing. Which one comes first? Why is it very important? If, if, if this thing is not done, what will be the outcome? If it's done, what will be the outcome? Number seven, set timelines for the implementation of your action steps. Let me close with 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. 33. It says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Give me verse 40 also. Verse 40. 1 Corinthians. It says, Let all things be done decently and in order. I pray that this year, your life will be very orderly. In the name of Jesus. I pray that the Spirit of God will help you and guide you. Listen, one of the prayers that you need to pray is God's guidance. Amen? To help you plan. To plan. To plan. There's a solution to every problem. There is progress in every situation. No matter where you are now, there's a possibility for you to make progress. But for that progress to happen, there has to be a plan. May God give you wisdom and guidance. In the name of Jesus, may God give you wisdom and guidance. In the name of Jesus, may the Lord help you to be an excellent planner. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.